Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Quillo. Today, we have Brett Schwartz. Brett assists high net worth clients by solving their capital gains tax issues. His experience includes numerous deferred sales trusts, Delaware statutory trusts, 1031 exchanges, and $190 million in closed commercial real estate brokerage and deferred sales trust transactions. So thank you so much for being on the show, Brett. Charles, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. So give us a little bit about your background, both uh, personally and professionally, prior to uh, starting your current firm. Yeah, so I grew up in Northern California, the Bay Area in Sacramento. And I grew up learning about business and real estate from a young age. My dad and mom, they owned real estate. They developed real estate. Mm. And so I had a chance to learn the sticks and bricks behind all things real estate. It was, in the, it was during the uh, 1980s, right? Uh, it was the MC Hammer days. In fact, MC Hammer had this huge house on the hill. We'd always look at it as we drove to the job site. <laughs> my brother and I would you know, drive the Bobcat with my dad and hammer nails, move bricks, and kind of just learned a lot about that. So I knew real estate was going to be in my, in my world moving forward. And so fast forward, I went to college, studied business as well as played some basketball on scholarship, which is a big passion of mine <laughs> personally, and then had a chance to take an internship at a company called Marcus and Millichap. And so I started to learn the investment underwriting, the cash flow, the negotiations, the way to structure deals and, and uh, add value. And then started to uh, learn, learn, but it wasn't always easy, right? Because in mm. the very beginning, I was brand new in the business. And the, the days of, of um, real estate with my dad and my mom, everything took a big shift. You know, they got divorced when I was young. So I went from like being with a lot of wealth to like no wealth overnight because my dad didn't really, let's say, pay the child support as he should have, right, to my mom. And so I lived with my mom most of the time, but I knew at a young age that I wanted to have a lot of margin within my finances and I wanted to be successful. So that was the focus. So Marcus and Millchap was the way, you know, big commercial real estate agent, make a lot of money, right? Learn how to, how to underwrite and buy deals. And uh, so I'm working and it's 2006 and the marketplace is going red hot, right? It's, it's, it's on fire. Things are going great. I start to learn a little bit, learn a little bit, start to grow, start to get my business just going because it's 100% sink or swim business, right? There's no benefits, no commission. But I went from making a little bit of money to like nothing overnight when 08 crash mm. hit. And I looked around going, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Go get a real job or continue on. But I was learning and growing so much that I just wanted to keep, keep, uh, keep it going. So I did what every I think good entrepreneur or commercial real estate broker does when you're faced with a very tough thing. And the tough thing was this. I was now married, baby at home. And so I'm going to my wife and I'm like, honey, like I can either, you know, kind of give up on this initial career dream or... Um, or um, we can live with my brother and I can get a side job and hustle. So that's what I did. She's like, well, let's keep this thing going. So I moved with my brother in a small condo and with our first baby daughter, and I started working at Cheesecake Factory on nights and weekends. And so by day, I'd make cold calls, but I was going through this financial challenge uh, myself. So were my clients, except on a different level, right? They were fighting with the banks, renegotiating, had too much debt, not enough liquidity, not enough diversification. And so, and by night I'd work Cheesecake Factory to keep my, keep the lights on. So I'd be negotiating with banks, helping them out along this journey. 
my manager brings in a gentleman to speak about the deferred sales trust and that's where everything changed. At that point, I had something that could solve the problems for my clients that they didn't have a couple of years ago, right? Because they for felt forced by this 1031 exchange to overpay for property in a very low inventory marketplace, right? Take on too much debt. So I started to apply this strategy, talk to it with people. My listings and my deals started to grow. My influence started to grow. Fast forward 10 years later, I was able to retire from the Cheesecake Factory, right? <laughs> my wife, we have five kids. Uh, we've been, wow. she's been the whole, stay home full time with our kids. It's been her passion. And I've been very successful in real estate and in this deferred sales trust world. Awesome. That's a fantastic story and fantastic uh, background. So give us uh, a little bit about what your firm Capital Gains Tax Solutions does. And are you focusing? Well, you get, yeah, let us know. Yeah. Yeah. So most high net worth individuals who own cryptocurrency, primary homes, investment real estate, have a failed 1031 exchange or a primary home. They struggle with capital gains tax and it's somewhere between 30 and 50% of their gain, depending on the depreciation recapture and what state they're in. Oh, by the way, Biden might, is proposing to double that, potentially from 20 mm. to 40%, and take away or limit the 1031 exchange. So we use a deferred sales trust, which eliminates the need for the 1031 exchange forever. It works for cryptocurrency, it works for stock, it works for primary homes. Also, our clients can create and preserve more wealth. And as a part of that vision, we train and coach commercial real estate operators, syndicators, financial advisors, business brokers, right? Luxury realtors on how to use this tool to grow their business. So it's, mm. it's, it's kind of dual. We have people who call us direct and then we'll find, um, you know, them a, a, a solid real estate professional. Um, or we have the actual business uh, professional call us direct to come and help alongside it with their clients. Interesting. So say an investor comes to you wanting to sell a highly appreciated illiquid asset like real estate, what kind of tax deferral options does that investor individual have? And I always had an issue with the 1031 because you get really put into a box. And um, so explain kind of what you would, uh, what you would tell them and what you would kind of propose for a, a situation similar to that. Great question. So we call the 1031 exchange, the blockbuster way of doing things. It's kind of <laughs> like, it's like the shotgun wedding, right? You get engaged in 45 and you get married in 180. Like and sometimes you can, the marriage can work out great, right? especially if it's a value add forced appreciation opportunity, right? Fantastic. High fives all the way around. The challenge becomes when there's low inventory, <laughs> every prices are through the roof <laughs> and you know, it's a seller's market, right? And all this crazy California or New York money is chasing yeah. these few deals that actually have any kind of meat on the bone. Right? So the first thing is timing, right? So I just ask them like, what is your vision for your wealth? Right. And what is your vision for your, your time and your energy and the timing of the marketplace? And as real estate professionals and owners ourselves, and probably a lot of your listeners, we know when it's a seller's market, we know when it's a buyer's market, mm -hmm. right? Now you can find a deal in every single marketplace, but I always start there. And then I also start with the personal reasons to sell and the financial reasons to sell. Right. Mm -hmm. So I really mm -hmm. dig into the motivation, understand their wealth and their vision, their plan. What's going on with a lot of our clients and majority who call us, they're baby boomers, right? They're in their, they're in their sixties, right? And they, they, they've made their wealth. Um, they're more in a preservation mode. Mm. They want to retire from the toilet trash liability. They want to sell their business. They don't want to go through this 08 cycle again, where they almost lost or half some lost yeah. all, and they don't want to have to fight out. So we're in the position of, of saying, we want to create a safe Harbor with this deferred sales trust, right? So first establishing what the challenges are, what their vision is, and then literally just drawing a line on a piece of paper and saying, what tool will help you get to where you want to be. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then we talk about how blockbuster, right? If you remember going on a Friday night, you want to get that movie 
you know, Charles, right? And you, you see it, it's behind that cardboard, right? And you're walking up, and you're like, oh, excited. But then somebody two steps ahead of you grabs that thing. You're like, oh my gosh, like what, I missed it. So you're bummed, but you get your second movie. You have to return it within three days. You didn't rewind it. You get a little penalty. Well, that's like the 1031. Like that puts you in a very small hole, right? Where you have to, you know, kind of really, really figure out a way to close that deal or do that thing. Well, this thing called Netflix, it's pretty seamless. It's like the Deferred Sales Trust. There's no timing restrictions, right? There are some ongoing fees, but you can buy and sell real estate whenever you want, active or passive. You can put it, in, you can, the funds can be invested into the stock market, right? It's, it's not just like investment like kind of real estate in that short period of time. So that's the number one thing is timing. And we just believe sell high, buy low. And the best story for that is a gentleman in Minnesota. He sold a property for $20 million in 2006. They call this the Monday morning quarterback. He sold it at the peak and he, this guy's worth a couple hundred million bucks, really smart. And he's done 1031 exchanges. He thought that was the only way blockbuster way to do things, but he's looking around going, I'm not going to overpay. I'm going to do this Netflix thing. I'm going to give, I'm going to mm. try this new thing out. I'll put it in the trust. So he puts it in the trust. He parks the funds and stocks, bonds, mutual funds, very conservative stuff. Not a lot of, not a lot of risk, but kind of just safe Harbor. Okay. He waits five years go by. The bank calls him and says, Hey, we just foreclosed on that property. Just curious. Do you want to buy it back? Well, maybe what's the price? 60 cents on the dollar. So they can, mm. they, they sold it back to him at the 40% discount via his trust, all tax deferred. Okay. He has not paid a dollar in tax. He bought that back as an active investor with a brand new depreciation schedule. And when I heard that story and understood how it worked, I said, this is the commercial real estate game changer, right? Yeah. We can sell high and buy low. So I'll pause there, but that's, that's probably the way I would, I would approach this. Yeah, that's awesome. It also goes to show people uh, like we're such in hot markets right now in 2021. Someone has the foresight of knowing, wow, this is extremely hot. Now wait a few years or a couple of years or whatever it is for it to cool off a little bit. Because I think when everybody's in the mode of buying, 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 they don't see that. But um, that's uh, fantastic. I mean, that guy used it and he really was able to utilize all the tax benefits. So let's talk about the process of using a DST. So someone says, this is for me. Uh, they have this property million dollars, let's say that they have a gain in it or whatever. Um, what, what is the process for you and uh, with them to get it set up? Yeah, great question. So step one is uh, making sure the timing of the sale is not too far down the road, right? And so mm -hmm. we will review your purchase and sale agreement. We'll review the LOI. We'll review the, the timing of it. And really the key, key determination is have all contingencies been removed. And as long as they haven't been removed, we can set up the trust, takes a couple of days to set it up. We work on a conditional basis, meaning um, we will set everything up, talk with you, get through all of your questions, CPA everybody. For some reason, the deal doesn't close or for some reason you don't want to use the trust, you don't owe us anything. So that's a nice, nice piece of that. Mm -hmm. But basically we do all of the tax planning and preparation up front. We form the trust, get it all ready to go. Hey, that's, that's the first step. Okay. If you're with the 1031 exchange qualified intermediary, we work with them to, and we form the trust and we can, um, we can also again, save a failed 1031 exchange. So we will clarify the timing of the sale. The second thing we'll clarify if you actually qualify, what, what how do you qualify? You need at least a million dollar gain and at least a million dollars of net proceeds for any one transaction, whether that be a single stock, whether that be cryptocurrency, single coin, whether it be an investment, real estate, primary home, as long as you hit that parameter, you're good. Now, if you say, Brett, well, I've got two at 500. Do I qualify? That's fine too. Um, but it's not something where we're, we're, we're doing, um, you know, uh, 
too many small deals. It's got to be large enough. So if yeah. you qualify for those two things, uh, we do a 30 minute consultation. Um, you answer 12 questions. Then we, we get with the tax attorney. They review the, the, the information and then we literally set up the accounts of the trust and we work with your either mergers and acquisition attorneys mm -hmm. or your qualified intermediary or your real estate broker escrow. And we handle all of the transactions in the background and uh, the funds go to the trust instead of going to you. Therefore, they're in a tax deferral state. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of the big picture. The second part of that is how and where the funds invested. Well, you decide based upon oh. your risk tolerance. So you fill out a risk tolerance questionnaire and allocation is presented to you and then you approve or disapprove of that. So everything's mathematical. We're not guessing here. Nothing moves without your signature or your approval. Mm. Also, the next question because well, how do I know the thing is protected? It's protected because we use third party banks, large banks that provide long term escrows. My role is like the offensive coordinator, if you will. Right. And so I'm, I'm, I'm the trustee of this. This is important to understand. You got to have a third party trustee and I help to a uh, uh, navigate all of the parties B um, make sure that the note is paying you back based upon the terms and then three making sure that the tax return is filed in the, in the, in the correct way. So as the client, well, the nice part about it is you just get a 1099, right? Yeah. So you sell, you mm. became the bank, no more toilets, trash liability. If you don't want to be active anymore. Right. Um, no more, you know, more headaches with your business. Right. You get to move. We just did a deal in Palo Alto for a client. They sold an $8.3 million primary home and he couldn't qualify for a 1031 on a primary. Right. But he could on the deferred sales trust. So he sold deferred the tax and moved out of state. And now he's just retired. Right. And so he's just he put it in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, some of the biggest companies in the world. And now he's just living off of the interest payments of the trust. So um, hopefully that answers the question, but maybe you have some more of it, which is fine, too. Yeah. How does the uh, asset protection go with this? I know you're not an attorney, but um, I imagine you've had people with million dollar gains plus ask you about this. Someone sells an apartment complex, million dollar gain. Um, let's say another property that they have gets involved with litigation a year down the road or whatever. How does that um, how does that go? I mean, how are they protected with that? Is there any protection? Yeah, so Rockefeller has a, uh, a famous saying, he said, own nothing, control everything, right? Mm -hmm. And this idea had to do with asset protection. So when you are an owner of something, and especially if it's not in an LLC or if it's if it's just in your individual name, right? Um, that you are um, more, you're more, you have a higher risk of being liable and, and people taking that or mm -hmm. be able to get to that. And this scenario, remember as the trust, you are loaning the money to the trust. So you're not owning the trust. Okay. Cause if mm. you were just selling it to the trust mm. oh, yourself, okay. you're selling it to yourself, it's taxable. So therefore as a lender, right, you have this layer of asset protection, which basically states that someone might be able to, should they get a judgment, get the income off of the trust, but they can't force you to sell what you don't own. Right. Mm. They can't take what you don't own. So yes, there's some, and there's some uh, foundational, um, asset protection built in because you are lending to the trust and became the bank and you're not the owner of the trust. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And say I have, you know, I have two properties, you know, one on Main Street LLC, Oak Street LLC. I sell Main Street LLC. I've got a million dollar gain in it. You set up, we do a DST. Three years later, I do Oak Street LLC. That one sold. Now, am I putting that into the same DST. So it keeps it easy for me to keep track of. I don't need like yes. a separate one. Okay. Right. Yes. Although there is two DSTs just to let you know, but typically most people will just put it all into one. They'll just roll. 
they'll make sell some cryptocurrency. They might sell a primary home. They might, you know, save a failed 1031 and investment property and just keep rolling it into one big, we call it the mothership DST, right? The one Netflix, <laughs> right? So it's sitting there, tax deferred, liquid, debts paid off, diversified. And then collectively, these are all individual notes, right? So each note is set on the asset that was sold and it's set to pay you back based upon the terms, typically 8% over a 10 year period of time, net of the recurring fees is typically what it is. Our fees are about one and a half to set it up one time fee and about one and a half recurring. Mm -hmm. um, so that is what they could expect. The, uh, does that answer the question? Yeah, it does. So that was the other thing I had about the cost on it. So one and a half, and that's obviously just on your gain. That is not going to be, because no, your property's already gone. Assets price. I'll give you an example. So, okay. so there's, so, um, um, one is based upon the actual gross sales price and the one is based mm -hmm. upon the AUM. So the first one, the legal fee, which includes audit defense, lifetime audit defense. By mm -hmm. the way, you might be curious about the track record, thousands of closes, billions under management, 25 year track record. It's been audited over a dozen times with the IRS, all no change IRS audits, has mm -hmm. a private letter ruling, national law firms have reviewed this. We have thousands of business professionals. So it's, it's hundred percent legal. It works every single time. It has a perfect track record. Okay. Get that out of the way. Uh, so, but there's only one law firm that does this, literally in the entire mm -hmm. nation. It does this the way we do it and it has our track record, right? There's been some copycats here and there, but you gotta be really careful with all those, the places that don't have, to me, a, a perfect track record, right? Mm -hmm. So um, um, so you pay 1.5% of the gross sales price to the tax attorneys, my business partners, okay? So you pay that. So if it's a million bucks, you pay 15 grand at the close of escrow, but let's say you would have paid $400,000 of tax. You had a zero basis, right? So you pay 15,000 at the close that covers lifetime federal or state audit defense. So if you ever were audited, mm. they were, they will provide no additional charge for your deferred sales trust, no charge, right? Which is great. Okay. Um, let's say you had no debt on the property. So now there's about $985,000 in the truck. You paid the legal fee. You know, assuming you also paid your broker commissions or whatever, right? You paid off some, you had maybe had debt, whatever hits the account, it's about 1.5%, depending mm -hmm. on how and where the funds are invested, depending on the size of the deal. Okay. So, um, that's generally our fees. We do work with some financial advisors and sometimes that can be a little bit higher on their end, right? It could be as high as 1.85%, depending on the size of the deal. But generally speaking, that's, that's the number. Now the goal is to out earn 8% or earn 8% net of recurring fees over the 10 year term. So our goal is to earn about nine and a half to 10 to cover those fees to net you 8% compounding, right? Mm. And so that's where the, you go, well, what's the ROI here? Well, this is part of why we need to have a big enough gain and a big enough proceed in order to, to have enough pain in the, in the tax in order to actually pay for our services, right? So mm. I'll give you an example. We just did a deal in, um, in Alabama. It was a $2.6 million sale for a business. Didn't qualify for a 1031. He had a $600,000 liability. He's in his mid forties. He's making a lot of income. He's just ready to move on from his other two partners or his other two partners buy him out. Um, and now he uses the deferred sales trust, not only to defer the tax, but his next venture was building apartment buildings. So now he's hmm. partnering with the trust to build 70 units in Tennessee, all tax deferred. Right. And he's like, this is sweet. Now he has very, very, very high income. So he's not only deferring the capital gains tax, but he's also deferring his income. Um, this is interesting, right? Yeah. And he's also getting a new depreciation schedule. So a lot of people, when they look at this, they go, well, if I'm only deferring tax, that's the only way of my ROI. No, no. The next ROI is you're deferring income tax. Mm -hmm. 
oh wow, like an IRA? Yeah, like kind of like an IRA. Hmm. And then the next layer is I'm getting a new depreciation schedule. So you start layering these things on top of each other and your ROI, it's no longer an expense of that one and a half to 1.85. It's now an investment because you're saving on income tax. You're obviously deferring capital gains tax and then you're getting a new depreciation schedule, which enables you to offset cash flow. So this is kind of like DST Ninja, you know, 2.0, right? <laughs> but this is what we do every day. We're tax, you know, we help people plan for their taxes, defer their tax, and then um, create more wealth. What, uh, is there a time frame? So someone puts money into this, is there a time frame they have to have it out in five, 10 years or no? Great question. So typically these are structured at 10 year notes. Mm. Okay. And every 10 years you can renew for 10 years and renew for 10 years. And then it can pass to your heirs via your living trust and your kids can step into your shoes and keep this thing going, keep it going. It does not, by the way, give you a stepped up basis. Cause remember you uh, gave up ownership, mm. right? You gave up ownership. Mm. However, Biden is proposing to take away the stepped up basis. Which mm -hmm. Now this becomes the solution because guess what? If you don't own the asset that it's going to get the stepped up basis or not going to get the stepped up basis, you lend it right to the trust and the trust is continuing on. Guess what? We just eliminated the need for the stepped up basis. So mm -hmm. this is where the deferred sales trust is a solution to that. Um, but yeah, and the kids can keep it going for as long as they want and they can also pay the tax when they take it out. How is the tax paid? Well, if it's interest payments, they'll pay ordinary income tax on that, right? Most mm -hmm. of our clients will structure the notes of interest only payments, somewhere between five, six or 7%. And they'll leave a little cushion between that eight because mm -hmm. they don't want to dip into the goose that's laying the golden egg. And what's the mm -hmm. goose? The goose is the original principal, right? And so they'll pay, they'll get a 1099 on that, you know, those, those little eggs. And then on the principal, they'll keep it intact. And as they keep it intact, it keeps growing and working. And which people say, why would the IRS allow this? Like, this seems like it's too good to be true. seems like this is you know, this, they, they wouldn't like it. Well, we really believe that it's a win-win for everybody. And here's why. Um, and I'll give you, I'll give you an actual deal. We just did a deal. It's a, it was a $7.9 million sale for a, an individual. She's in her seventies and she's, uh, it's on the beach in Santa Cruz. You've owned the property for 25 years. It's like wow. zero basis. Okay. Yeah. And she bought it for like nine eighty five. Well, guess where the property taxes are, you know, pretty close to what she originally purchased it for. Right. Well, Guess what happens when the new purchase is 7.9 million? Yeah. Well, they get new property taxes. Well, that's a big gain there, right? Guess where the commission goes? Well, the commission, the they have to pay taxes on that for the listing agent, right? And the buyer. Uh, and guess where all that money gets to get infused into the economy, right? Because she puts it in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, real estate, yeah. which does what? It creates more jobs, which does what? Brings in more tax revenue. So actually, we believe mm -hmm. the IRS is the one who's the biggest winner here, right? Because otherwise she might not ever sell the property. In fact, she wouldn't have sold it if it wasn't for this solution. Yeah. Right. So she, she, so then what happens? Nobody wins, right? There's no new property taxes. There's no new, no new amount of money infusing to the economy. I was telling you about one of the cryptocurrency one. This is actually really, really cool. So they bought Ethereum. This is a couple out of the Bay area for a hundred thousand dollars. And they're going to, it's, it's, it's increased to 12 and a half million dollars. Wow. Ethereum, right? This Bitcoin, right? C cryptocurrency. And they work, here's the thing though, they work 50, 60 hour weeks, two kids, right? He's been in Silicon Valley for 20 years in the corporate world, right? He's tired of the corporate stuff a bit and he's ready to retire, spend more time with the family. So the deferred sales trust not only allows him to sell and defer somewhere around $5 million of capital gains tax liability, right? Huge amount. Yeah. He can sell it all, defer it all, and then he can buy apartment buildings, right? Get cash flow, and that can literally walk away from having to ever work again for anyone else, right? Oh. 
So do you see this? So I'll pause there, see if any questions, Charles. Yeah, I just have one more question before we're seeing how we can integrate this into our investment strategies, but um, fail 1031 exchanges. And uh, how does that work in regards to, you said you mentioned before someone reaches out to you when they have a PSA, purchase sale agreement signed, or a LOI, letter of intent signed, which would be previous to that. Um, when, like for a fail 1031, how does that work and how can you save it? Yeah, so great point here. Remember, there's only really two windows to use the deferred sales trust. The first window um, has to be before the buyer removes all contingencies in a PSA or or um, or uh, or a whatever other contract you have ready to sell something. Okay, or if you're even selling cryptocurrency or something else, you may not even have that. It's just a transfer. We need to set up the trust prior to that. Mm. Get everything in order. Okay, and now got to have that there for every asset besides investment real estate. Why? Because every asset besides investment real estate does not qualify for a 1031 exchange. Okay. So get with us early, go, go, go to our website, get with us early, figure that out um, with us. Okay. Now let's imagine it's investment real estate and you've sold or you're listening to this right now and you're in a 1031 exchange. You're like, Oh my gosh, Brad, I'm past my 45 day identification or I'm right up against the gun or I'm about, I'm a day 170. I only have 10 days left. It's all going to just fail here. Can we form a trust? Yes. Even though it wasn't a part of the PSA? Yes. And can we send the funds to the trust um, at day 181 or day 46? The answer is yes and yes. Okay. Hmm. So um, the simple thing is the funds need to go to the trust versus going to you personally. Because hmm. when it goes to you personally, it's taxable. <clears throat> so we work with um, exchange accommodators that provide both options, which by the way, I would encourage you to never work with an exchange accommodator ever again, unless they give you this option. Okay. You got to say, Hey, do you give a deferred sales trust as well as a 1031 option? Are you going to accommodate with what I'm trying to do? And if the answer is no, then say, okay, great. I'll go work with someone else. Right? So I don't ever send it to anyone else. And why would someone say no? Well, they don't know about it. And, and a lot of these 1031 companies, they don't want us as competition. Right. So they don't want their out promoting, prom yeah. you know, yeah, we give you this option. Well, maybe I won't even use that at close. I won't use your services. I'll just do them at close. Right. So that's the problem with the 1031 exchange companies. They don't want you to know about us, but the ones that do, um, that we work with, um, you want to work with them. So that's, that's also something to, 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 to keep in mind. Any questions there, Charles? No, no, that's perfect. Thank you very much for clarifying that. Um, so we have listeners on the show that are past investors and operators. Is it possible for past investors to sell a highly appreciated piece of real estate, for example, and then passively invest into a syndication? And, uh, you know, what is the process for that? Obviously, we know the beginning process of it, that they're going to start there when they're selling it. But how does that process work when they're talking to the operator? and structuring that? The answer is yes. Okay. So the deferred sales trust works for LPs, GPs. Um, mm. and then once the funds are there, it can be put into, um, other syndication deals passively or actively, um, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, hard money, lending, ground up development, new business ventures. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's, it's very flexible. Okay. Um, and how it works is each individual can have their own DST, right? So, um, we just, we're doing a deal actually in um, Idaho and there's two brothers and they're buying land and it's like it's lumber and they're selling off pieces of it and they're both partners in this LLC. Well, we set up two DSTs, one for him and one for him, you know, two brothers. Okay. And their portions go to each of their prospective DSTs, not commingled. It's completely separate. Um, so so it, we don't have to have the whole, whole entity moving 
Okay. We also just did one for an apartment syndicator for a $20 million apartment complex in Las Vegas. He also had a partner who was two GPs and the rest were LPs. And when they sold that 20 million, each of them had their own DST. They liked it so much that they sold another $16 million apartment complex in Phoenix. And the same thing they used, they used their, their portion moved into their DSTs. And then once the funds are there, they bought a deal. I think it's in Texas. Now they use a, a big portion of that to fund that next deal, all tax deferred, by the way. So the answer is yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> Call us, talk to us, get with us, um, you know, sign our NDAs. And, uh, and we can, we can accomplish that for you. Um, you mentioned earlier about Biden's tax and all that kind of stuff. I don't really want to get down that rabbit hole too much, but, uh, is the DSTs, uh, as you hear, and as you understand, are they on the table for, uh, being, uh, edited, let's say, or changed from, uh, the plan that he's been talking about? Yeah. So everything's in proposal state right now. Yeah. And it's, it's important to understand that sometimes there's really extreme parts of this negotiation. Mm -hmm. They go to the extreme to try to meet somewhere in the middle. Um, however, they have the house and the Senate and it's and the presidency, right? Uh, the Democrats do. So it's something to take very seriously. Um, and we're hoping and praying that it doesn't go to the, to the extreme that, it, that that's proposing. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know. I'm not a politician. Yeah. I don't know how likelihood <laughs> these things are going to go or not to go. However, um, we do think the 1031 is in danger more than it's ever been, right? Because it's kind of been, they've been trying to take away the 1031 for years, yeah. right? So that one is seems like it, 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 it could be more likely than ever before. The stepped up basis, like I don't think we, I've ever heard that before. That's kind of, yeah. that's really kind of out there. They're going to take that away. So I would think if I had to peg it, that's less likely to go. Um, the other thing to consider though is beyond all of this is the capital gains tax rate from 20 to 40. Yeah. That's serious, right? So yeah. um, will it go all the way to 40? Uh, I don't know, maybe not, maybe so. Maybe it only goes, I heard 28. I've heard, I heard a lot of stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. I heard a lot of stuff. So that being said, I want you to consider something that we do know that's happening and it has to do with the estate tax, okay? So right now, any high net worth individual listening to this, um, one of your challenges, if you're worth more than 22 million married or 12 million single is what's called the estate death tax, okay? It's separate than capital gains tax, has nothing to do with a stepped up basis, okay? It has nothing to do with um, with a capital gains tax deferral, it has everything with what your estate is valued at at the time of your passing. And anything above and beyond that that's inside of your taxable estate is gonna be hit with a 40% death tax. So let's just say, uh, Charles, you're worth 52 million. Let's say you're married. Let's say all 52 millions inside your taxable estate. Let's say uh, you die tomorrow, right? Uh, and, she, and your wife, if you're married, dies tomorrow. And now you're like, man, your kids are like, yeah, we got the stepped up basis. Like, we're good. No, 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 no. Hold on. That 22 million is exempt, but that other 30 million is subject to 40%. So that's a $12 wow. million check that they have to write within six months of that passing. So those exemptions are set to cut in half. So instead of 22 million, it's going to drop to 12 single. Okay. Which means what your check went from 12 million to about 24 million. Wow. Okay. Approximately. Now Biden is proposing potentially to move that even lower to like 7 million married and three and a half million single. And again, another crazy one was like only about a million or 2 million married. So, Meaning yeah. if it's inside your taxable state and you're listening to this right now, that's the big elephant in the room, right? Mm -hmm. It's no longer about cash flow, Charles. It's about tax flow. 
because as taxes go higher and there's this wealth redistribution that um, that the a lot of the politicians want to do happens or does happen. <clears throat> it's about tax flow uh, and as much as or is more important than cash flow. OK, because where and how this stuff gets taxed or, or redistributed or taken out can decimate your net worth for your family. So here's the solution, which we love. It's, of course, the Deferred Sales Trust. Okay, it works for any size deal. Okay, um, and it's uh, it can move the funds outside the taxable estate. Okay, mm -hmm. so go to capitalgainstaxsolutions.com. We can walk you through that, and uh, and it's it's in one deal, one transaction. You have to sell something, right? It's not just moving it to an LLC, but you don't have to give it all away to charity, right? Which is the other part. You don't have to buy you don't have to buy life insurance to offset this stuff, right? You don't have to do any family limited partnerships and run out of gifting. It is a way that we can do it in one day, win tr one transaction. So I'll, I'll just leave it with that, Charles. So that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. As we're wrapping up here, uh, what are common mistakes you see real estate investors make in regards to taxes? Not planning and not preparing. They're mixing the sale of the asset with the exit plan, and they're they're over they're they're mm. getting they're getting a mixed together all in one decision making, right? Mm. And therefore, it's like having multiple glasses on for the first time. You know, as you're hearing this for the first time, it's like it's kind of foggy, right? Because you're like, "Whoa, he's talking fast. He's saying a lot of things. They sound really interesting." But I gotta hear it again. I gotta hear it again. I gotta slow it down. Eventually, it's like you're taking off of these glasses, and or maybe you're putting on these glasses. You can see it clearly. The challenge becomes when someone sells a highly appreciated asset that maybe they haven't sold in a long time, or it's their first time. They have a they have something over their vision that's emotionally, it's like I'm so tied to this deal. Like it's it's happening, right? It's finally gonna happen. And then if you add on top of that, this tax deferral strategy with these mm. new people you've never met and you're like, whoa, they're saying these really big things. It can become kind of emotionally overwhelming, right? So what we like to say is, why don't you separate the two, right? Pre-plan your exit plan, your tax deferral strategy. Look at the deferred sales trust now before you're even in negotiations, before you're even listing, right? Get that checked off. Okay, I can do a 1031. I can do a Delaware. I can do a CRT. I can do a deferred sales trust. I can do an opportunity zone. Like check that thing off, then go sell the asset mm -hmm. and then execute on what which one works for you. So that was that's the biggest mistake I see people making. They're not pre-planning. And again, we don't charge a dime. There's no charge. It's just your time and your energy. That's important too. But we're going to take all the pressure off you and we're going to help you walk through those scenarios. And I'm telling you, um, it can help, you know, really relieve a lot of that stress. Oh, awesome. Uh, and then what do you think are the main factors that have contributed to your success, Brett? <laughs> yeah. So first of all, uh, I've been blessed by a lot of people and um, to, who coached, trained and, and built into me from youth pastors to, you know, coaches, uh, football, basketball, my parents, um, you know, my brother, a lot of good mentors. Um, and, uh, God's blessed me with a lot of great people in my life and, and has helped me to, um, to, to grow. And, but the second part of that was learning to work harder on myself than I do on my job. Right. So if mm. you work hard on your job, you'll make a living. You work hard on yourself and make a fortune. And this is a quote by Jim Rohn. And it's about personal development and leadership beyond just, you know, getting that degree or closing that first deal or, or, you know, making that first million dollars or, you know, that those things are all ex, you know, uh, temporary external things. Right. But the internal and the, um, uh, the things that are, uh, eternal, right. The things that you work on the inside, right. 
your your faith, your leadership, your uh, perseverance, mm-hmm. your character, right? You work harder on yourself developing those things. Those are the things that make a difference for your life and for your family and for the foes that are around you because you become more, I believe, of who we were created to be. I think we've all been given certain gifts. And when we can maximize those gifts, right, and and build into that potential that we've all been given, certain gifts, certain strengths, and we can make an impact for others, that's where fulfillment comes in, right? Whether it be for your family, for, for, your, for your colleagues, for your community, right? And uh, so, yeah, that, that would be my biggest, uh, I think, um, way that I've been able to, to grow and make a difference. Awesome. So how can our listeners learn more about you and uh, Capital Gains Tax Solutions? Yeah, thanks. You can go to capitalgainstaxsolutions.com. You can also search that on YouTube or on iTunes. We have mm-hmm. a podcast. We had Charles on the show as well. You can search for his episode. Um, and then if you're a business professional and you're looking to um, use the Deferred Sales Trust as a way to help yourself and your clients, you can go to experttaxsecrets.com. That's experttaxsecrets.com. And the last way is we're having a book that's going to be releasing in about three months or so. Mm-hmm. So look for that book. Um, it's called Capital Gains Tax Solutions, Unlocking a Transformational Wealth Plan for Yourself or Your Clients. And we have folks like uh, Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank. Mm. He'll be one of the chapters on there um, and uh, a number of others that are very, very uh, successful, smart people, smarter than me, who are talking about all things that we just talked about today. Awesome, Brett. Well, thank you so much for educating myself and also our listeners on uh, all these fantastic ways of deferring taxes and look forward to connecting with you in the near future. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Charles. My pleasure. Hi, guys. It's Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in getting involved with real estate, but you don't know where to begin, set up a free 30-minute strategy call with me at schedulecharles.com. That's schedulecharles.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Syndication Superstars, LLC, exclusively.